Slick V on the track. God is calling me. I'm in a zone. I gotta see my doctor. God is calling me. What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Ball Podcast. I'm your host, Jake McCartan, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Hammock. And Daniel, man, the time has come. I mean, we had a full slate of FBS football games yesterday. We have another full slate this week. We're going to start doing two podcasts a week this week. College football season's here. It's here. It's happening. And... I feel like it almost snuck up on us because usually all we're doing is counting down to game day. But this year, it's more like just crossing our fingers and our toes that it's going to happen. And every, you know, every day feels like three months. So this this season kind of snuck up on me. I know that the Power Five doesn't start until this upcoming week um, with the ACC and Big 12 getting some action going and then. You know, obviously the the crescendo to the SEC beginning and uh, towards the end of December or September, excuse me, September 26. So this was a fantastic weekend, though. Some teams I knew the names of playing each other, and you know, it was definitely um, I I was definitely glued to it, whether it was a good game or not. Oh, I was glued, and we we, we do want to talk about Week One. This was Week One for FBS football, so we're going to talk about it. You and I are college ball fans, so we're going to hit these teams that played yesterday or on Saturday. Um, but we will, we will get to this episode. We're going to make our national picks. So we're going to pick our conference champions. We're going to pick our New Year's Six Bowls. We're going to pick our college ball playoff. We're even going to pick our, our national champion. We'll pick our Heisman Trophy winner, our Coach of the Year pick. These are our national picks before the season. This is our last preseason podcast so stick around we will be getting to our national champion at the end but first i mean hey this was week one of college football let's talk about some of these games um i mean first one i'd like to talk about is the one of the noon games marshall i mean marshall put a stomping <laughs> on eastern kentucky <laughs> 59 to nothing uh grant wells redshirt freshman quarterback Went 16 of 23 for 307 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, he killed it. Marshall really impressed me on Saturday. Did you get any eyes on that game? Yeah, I started watching it, and then it it looked like Marshall may have been playing against air for a little bit just because it looked like they the were. First, first two or three plays that I watched were actually touchdowns. And then I blinked, and it was like 21 nothing, 28 nothing, something like this. And so – not that I, you know, started snoozing a little bit, but, you know, I, I definitely made my way back and forth between that game and then I believe there's a, I think that was a one o'clock game and there's a one thirty game and that was maybe Army. Um, Army and, in Middle Tennessee. And that really didn't turn out to a game either. So, you know, <laughs> noon games lived up to their billing of, you know, being the early well, kick. But let me just throw out one, one stat from the Army game. You ready for this? This is how we know college football is back, all right? 19 plays, 99 yards, 12 minutes, and 26-second touchdown drive. (laughs) Is that not the most Army thing you've ever heard? Yeah. That's basically, I think these players would have finished up their service time by the time it's over so they can just move on. Cause I think you have to serve four years, um, uh, in the, in the military following your, your, uh, you know, degree. 
Um, I think they're working on that already. So <laughs> definitely a, a long drive there for, for the Black Knights. But um, yeah, the other games, I mean, you know, we obviously my ponies, SMU. This, this is an SMU podcast. SMU, man, they played Texas <laughs> State, which Texas State, you know, they're no joke. They, they for for the class for for the the teams they typically play, they're usually middle of the pack. Sometimes they can sneak up and be good. Um, you know, if you ever watched Friday Night Lights, the TV show, TMU was famously uh, representative of Texas State. So Texas State is where every TMU broadcast was from. Um, but yeah, SMU. Just had a little too much for them, um, but Texas State came to fight, and uh, it overall was a it was it was probably the most entertaining game to watch from start to finish of the of the slate for the day, um, I would say, where you're able to hang in there to the last minute. Um, Texas State tried to convert an onside kick and came eerily close to it, um, and so that was that was a fun finish there. It was. Another game I'll mention is, you know, Memphis and Arkansas State. That was a good one for a little bit. Arkansas State hung in there for a little while. Memphis got pulled away in that third quarter. Um, you know, Memphis Memphis losing Mike Norvell to Florida State. A lot of people question it's going to be a rebuilding year. Memphis is still mega talented, and Brady White returns as quarterback. He went 26-36, 275, and four TDs. I mean, the Memphis offense was rolling. So if anyone questioned whether Memphis was ready without Norvell, you know, they, they kept a, a nice little core of the coaching staff. A lot of people went with Norvell, but um, Memphis seemed to look just fine against a really good Arkansas State team, might I add, who I think is going to be good later on in the season. But week one of the books, this upcoming week, we have I mean, some power five football, the ACC and Big 12. We'll have some teams playing. So we'll have some more exciting games to talk about. But man, let's get let's get to these national picks. First, let's talk about our preseason top twenty-five. So we we updated a little bit. Uh, the SP Plus changed that we follow a little bit. Um, we made some last-minute tweaks to teams. So our, our official last preseason top twenty-five. I'll just list the top ten teams. Um, in this order, we have Alabama, followed by Clemson, Georgia, and Oklahoma. Top four, uh, five and six, Florida and Texas, uh, Notre Dame at seven, Auburn at eight, and nine and ten, LSU and Texas A&M. Biggest dropper there is LSU. Uh, LSU dropped from four to nine. They had a couple really key opt-outs that made you and I take a look back at LSU. And I mean, no other team has had the roster turnover after a championship that LSU has. Literally ever. So historic right. season, historic off season. <laughs> so our faith in LSU, although they've recruited tremendously well, went down a little bit. So that's not shocking. I think a lot of other people are lower on LSU. But let me ask you this, Daniel. Most overrated team that you see ranked in our top 25. Who do you think that most overrated team is? Um, we're going whole top 25, not just top 10. Yeah, whole, whole 25. Okay, well, <clears throat> it's difficult to say overrated for the sheer fact that you're not going to have two conferences playing. Obviously, if two conferences playing, you know, there's a, you know, Pac-12 and, and Big Ten teams, you push several of these teams out. Um, right. For me, though, I mean, you know, Oklahoma. You're going to say Florida? 
No, I really want to see Florida. <laughs> I always do. Um, but, you know, as far as most overrated, I think it might be Oklahoma. Um, and it's more of a product of I just don't necessarily fully believe in them to be like an elite team this year. I think they'll be good. I think they're in the top 10, but you know, a product of course of the, you know, there there's three or four teams that aren't playing that would be at least ahead of Oklahoma, I think. And so they're more in my view, you know, a middle to late top 10 team um, versus number four. And we're talking about them in the playoff kind of a, a talk, um, at least for the preseason, um, my feelings on them, what they lost, uh, Kennedy Brooks, um, their stud running back, opted out for the season. And, you know, prior to that, Trey Sermon, the other good running back that they've got, you know, he had transferred to Oklahoma or to Ohio State to conceivably just sit on the couch and watch games be played this year now at this point. So, you know, opt out, transfer, that kind of thing. And then obviously the uncertainty at quarterback. We know Spencer Rattler's got all the talent in the world. See if he can put it together. I'm sure Lincoln Riley will have a good offense. That's not the the overall question, but can't or will they be elite to carry, you know, what likely will be a, a middle tier defense at best. So Oklahoma for me um, is is probably most overrated um, as of as of what I'm looking at. That's a good one. I'll go. This is hard because I really do think that. This is going to sound a little pretentious. I like our rankings a lot. I think a lot of teams are right where they should be. And again, good, this it's is... It's a good balance. It's our opinion plus just some advanced stats like the S&P right. Plus. S&P Plus is very, very, you know, qualitative, good stat. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, man, okay, Miami. And I, I do have to keep in mind that these top 25 is probably a top 40-ish right. in a regular season because you're missing two conferences. So in Miami, before we kicked out the Pac-12 and Big Ten, was ranked 24th, and I didn't know if they were deserving of being ranked to start the season. So the fact they're 12 just looks weird to me. Yeah. <laughs> that's really the only reason. I do. I have some belief in Miami, but I just to start the season, it seems really high. So that's where I'll go for overrated. What about an underrated team? What team do you look at on Top 25 and say, hey, they're, they're not ranked as high as they should be? Um, <clears throat> well, you know, for me, I think, especially in a season like this, you're going to have um, some of these group of five schools really jump up. And we have Cincinnati you know, down at 18. And I, I think they're going to have a really good season. Um, so I think, you know, they're more, I mean, I'm not saying they're a top 10 team, but I mean, I think they're in the top 12, you know, mm. um, in many cases. And I, I know that, you know, it's just difficult. It's difficult with these rankings and, you know, uh, impl- you know, your implicit bias from what they would have been if we had everybody. It's just a weird year altogether. Uh, but, you know, I look at Cincinnati, and I think they could beat a couple teams ahead of them. Um, you know, I I like Cincinnati. I'll say okay. I have two teams that I want to mention, and when I say underrated, it's going to be by a, by a little bit, little but underrated. Okay, this is marginal. You just uh, want to talk about them, is what you're doing. 
but that's fine. That's true. That's I'm true. Notre that's Dame. Good. Notre okay. Dame. Hey, that's a good one. I think this will sound like a hot take. Going into the season, I think that one, two, and three, pretty much everyone's going to have the same one, two, and three with Clemson, Alabama, Georgia. In some order of Clemson and Alabama, one, two, Georgia at three. Uh, Oklahoma, I understand why you put them at four, but I really do think I think Notre Dame can be right there four five. So okay. I think they're a top five team. They're at seven, so again, marginally underrated. Right. Um, and then Iowa State. I think Iowa State's a top twelve to ten team. That's they're ranked sixteenth in our about. rankings. Do what? That's the one else I was thinking about. That's a good one. Yeah, so I, Iowa State, I'm a big believer in Iowa State. Love Matt Campbell, love Brock Purdy. That defense returns a lot. I mean, yeah, so I think they're a top 12 to 10 team. They're ranked 16th, so again, marginally underrated, but underrated, I will say. Um, we, we do have our top 25, preseason top 25 XPR, the extra point rankings, posted on our Instagram page. So plug for our Instagram page. We recently... Uh, launched it kind of quietly. And so we're going to start posting some content there. That is at the extra point pod. And so that's on Instagram. You'll be able to see the full top 25 there. We'll also post it on Daniel and myself's Twitter page. And we have a Facebook page now, the extra point. And so if you, if you're searching for the at, it's also at the extra point pod on Facebook. So we'll post all of our content there. We do already have our top 25 rankings up there right now as you're listening so go take a look at them tell us what you think but man let's make let's make some picks it's it's talking season it's about to be over with so we got to stop talking and watch these games but let's finish our conversation with some conference champions let's start with the power six (laughs) the american athletic (laughs) conference i guess power four this year yeah this year since the pac-12 and big 10 decided to opt out um Man, who do we have in the American? Well, first of all, who's playing the game? We already talked about that. That's Cincinnati and SMU, which we've previously talked about. But who do we have winning the American? So we've got Cincinnati, who <clears throat> I previously just you know talked about, obviously, is an underrated team over SMU. Yes, my Mustangs, my ponies, um, you know, we, we love SMU, but Cincinnati just seems like the team to beat in the American Athletic Conference, just with, you know, the the coaching that they've got, the returning production that they have all over the place, the good season they had last year, we think that they can double down on it this year. Um, We think that talent, you know, like we've said before, is going to play a big role in every game. And Cincinnati, among their peers, is more talented. So we're going with Cincinnati over SMU for the AAC crown. Cincinnati is loaded with talent on the defensive line. Their pass rush is going to be top 10 in the country. Not just, and that was before COVID. So, I mean, you're, you're pushing top seven, top five at this point for pass rush. Uh, their secondary is great. Ahmad Gardner in the secondary, great cornerback. Their quarterback last year, Desmond Ritter. A great running quarterback. He needs to um, accelerate the passing game, but they return a lot. They bring in the best recruiting class in the American Athletic Conference. Luke Fickle turned down Michigan State twice. That we know know of. And I think part of that reason is 
he thinks that he can have a good enough season this year to open up another door for a power five job next year or in seasons after. So to turn down a job at Michigan state, you know, I know there's stuff going on, going on at Michigan state that could have caused him to turn down that job, but it really is betting on yourself to come back to Cincinnati um, for that other door like that to open back up. And that tells me that he really does believe in this team and I believe in Luke Fickle. So Cincinnati as our American conference champ, I like it a lot. Uh, I, w- I will say I would not be surprised if Memphis, SMU, or UCF won. I mean, those are definitely the top four teams mm-hmm. in the American Conference. Um, next, the ACC, the Atlantic Clemson Conference. Uh, <laughs> that's what it's been for how, how many years in a row has it been? Six years that Clemson's won? It's the all-Clemson conference. That's what the it is. all-Clemson conference. There you go. Um so we, we, we have talked about, you know, ACC is also doing best two teams, the best two records. So we have Clemson and Notre Dame finishing nine and one or ten and one. Cause they're doing the, yeah, they're doing the 10 conference games plus one. Yes. So, yeah, both teams finishing 10 and one in the regular season. So both teams earning that spot in Charlotte for the ACC championship. And who do we got, Daniel? Notre Dame or Clemson? Clemson. Going over Notre Dame for the second time this year because they'll have played in the regular season. Notre Dame's only loss. Well, Notre Dame's going to have two losses to the same team, and that's it. So Clemson's going to beat Notre Dame in the ACC championship. We really tried Notre Dame. We wanted to pick you over Clemson, but. Wow. Hot take picking Clemson to win the ACC. I know. We're just. Hey, you know, we gave a loss, and it's to Pitt. (laughs) So we that is odd. Had our hot take, you know, that's that's there. And I'm proud of that, man. I'm going to be wearing a pit shirt or something for that game because um, it's happening. Get us a Pat Narduzzi shirt. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the fight in Pat Narduzzi's. Yeah, um, Jose. yeah. No surprise here. Uh, I like believing, you know, I like seeing and believing. And I've seen Clemson play for the last, you know, six years. Nothing's changed over at little old Clemson. Um, I mean, maybe the fact that we pick Clemson to lose a game will give Dabo something to talk about right. uh, and motivate. So, yeah, I mean, moving on, <laughs> Clemson wins the ACC. I know that's boring, but we're trying to be right and not fun. So Clemson winning the ACC, it's going to happen. <laughs> so that's yeah. just it, man. Uh, Big 12, we have... Oklahoma playing Texas. Texas actually earning the, you know, one seed there. Again, best two teams. Um, Texas winning the regular season matchup against Oklahoma. Um, No, I'm sorry. Oklahoma won the regular season matchup against Texas. Texas loses to Oklahoma State. With the the way we picked it, (laughs) at least. Uh, So Big 12, will OU make it six in a row? Or is this the year Texas gets over the top? Well, Oklahoma does it again. Um, you know, it's Boring. one of these things. I know we, we really, again, one of these things we wanted to pick Texas. We're really trying our best not to just make a hot take pick for the sake of a hot take pick. You'll see that as a common thread through most of what we do. We play devil's advocate with one another more than you guys would even care to care to imagine. 
Um, and we talk, we talk way ourselves long podcast. <laughs> yeah. And that, so, so we, we go back and forth but anyways. Yeah. That OU in Texas, we really got to the point where we're about to flip a coin because it was that even of our perception of them for the sheer fact that OU is a better program than Texas. No one, not, neither one of us are arguing that this is Texas's quote unquote year to do it. Because you have senior quarterback, bunch of returning production, you technically are higher on the blue chip ratio than OU. OU is changing quarterbacks, they're changing this, they're changing that. But kind of got down to it and we said, you know what? If I had to just bet money on it, I would believe that Oklahoma would beat Texas. That's just where we are. So um, we went ahead and, and made the pick. Um, ultimately it's, it's because of just, I think almost program mentality at this point, we expect them to, to do it. Um, and especially by that point in the year, we expect them to be clicking on all cylinders. The more likely time for Texas to beat them is in the Red River shootout, Red River rivalry, whatever it's called Mm -hmm. for (laughs) Texas, Texas can match up with them one-on-one, you know, and they could play 10 times and go five and five or whatever. It's pretty even, but for this, we do expect Oklahoma when, when it's all the chips are on the table for Oklahoma to win. Like you said, we wanted to pick Texas, but I have to go with my eyes and there's just a piece of me that like, man, (laughs) Texas, all the right pieces, but they also did last year and it was seven and five. So, you know, I want to pick Texas. I'll go with my eyes Oklahoma has had three quarterbacks in the last three years and went to New York and looked like Heisman candidates. Two of them won it. So do I believe he can do it again with a former five-star quarterback who's already been in the system for a year? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) that's really believable for me. Lincoln Riley's an offensive monster, and I think the defense is going to take a step forward. I think Alex Grinch was a great hire of a defensive coordinator. They've started to recruit well on the defensive side of the ball. There's players who want to go to Oklahoma and change the narrative and make their defense better. I mean, Oklahoma is Oklahoma is Georgia, just the opposite, you know? Georgia's got the monster defense, and the offense what needs to take a step forward. Oklahoma's got a monster offense, and the defense needs to take a step forward, and I think the defense will take a step forward this year. So Oklahoma over Texas for the Big 12. Moving on to the SEC, it just means more. And we talked about it last week. We've got Alabama coming out of the West. Shocker. Georgia coming out of the East, shocker. <laughs> and these teams played once in the regular season, or will have played once in the regular season. We picked Alabama to win that game. So this brings a 10-0 Alabama and a 9-1 Georgia. Is this our first hot take? Hot-ish take? Yeah, I, I think we're going to do it. We're picking Georgia to beat Alabama in the SEC championship. Um. This would be kind of earth-shattering as far as Georgia specifically over Alabama. Obviously, Georgia has won an SEC championship over or in, in under Kirby Smart. Um, right. You know, they beat Auburn, which Georgia is used to beating Auburn. But Alabama, since 2007, that was the last time that Georgia beat Alabama. So right. we, you know, this would be kind of a you know, uh, move the needle 
pick, um, you know, and most of you know we are Georgia fans. We really do. I promise you, we're more we are I, we're more hard on Georgia. I feel like than we typically would a typical Georgia fan would be. We really went back and forth on this, trying to decide what we really believe to happen. We think that whoever wins the regular season matchup will go on to lose the second matchup. And that's just why we went ahead and picked it this way, because we do think that Alabama wins that early matchup. And we think that over the course of the year, Georgia would gain enough to to take down Alabama. These are two of the most talented teams in the country. Um, they are one and two. Um, so it is a razor thin margin. Um, so, you know, it's one of these things where best on best, you know, winner take all. We think Georgia edges Alabama out in this game. I'll save I'll save some of my Georgia Alabama talk because I have a feeling we're going to be talking about him here in a little bit. <laughs> but some of our other picks, uh, man, let's go to the Heisman Trophy. So Heisman Trophy wise, two of the top three players, the top three odds are no longer playing this season. And I think you and I tried to make this more difficult than it actually was picking the Heisman winner, <laughs> trying to go through and making sure we're combing, we're combing through and finding, all right, who, who else could win? But, I mean, there's one name we kept landing on, and it's no surprise, Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence. I feel like he's been the best player in college football for the last three seasons. He has yet to go to New York. He's yet to be invited to New York. Uh, this is a perfect season for him to do that, um, especially with the lack of returning production at receiver that Clemson's going to have. Trevor's really going to shine if he you know, keeps the offense rolling, which we believe he will. Um, he's got Travis Etienne. You know, I think – He's going to take a lot more votes away from ETN than vice versa. Um, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, we think that in New York, you could have the likes of Sam Ellinger, Spencer Rattler, because, um, of course, an Oklahoma quarterback has to be invited. <laughs> right. Um, I think that Mac Jones and Bryce Young are going to split some time. So I don't think either of them will be invited just because I personally think Bryce Young is going to take over. So, again, not playing a full season is going to hurt them, um, him there. Uh, same thing at Georgia. I think, you know, you try, you try to think about who's the quarterback at the schools that are going to be in the, in the playoff. Because that's typically who is getting to New York now. Or freak players on defense like Derek Stingley. Or is, can Derek Stingley return some punts, have some pick sixes, you know, score some to get, in, you know, to get into that top four? Like Chase Young. Chase Young was a freak last year. One of the best, one of the best players in college football. You know, we tried to come through, but we we landed on Trevor. Right. Um, coach of the year. I mean, you've already kind of talked about this team. Who's our coach of the year pick? Yeah, for this, I mean, we we decided to go a little off of the beaten path, but I mean, still a team that we we believe in. Uh, we went Luke Fickle, who's the the head coach at. Cincinnati, you know, I obviously mentioned them as my most underrated team earlier. We had them winning the American Athletic Conference championship game over um, SMU. And Luke Fickle, you know, like Jacob had mentioned, he's turned down, you know, big schools um, as far as as far as leaving Cincinnati. Uh, we expect this to maybe be somewhat of a contract year. He could play his way in 
to a big job after this season, or, I mean, he's an Ohio native. He could stay in Ohio long-term and continue to coach at Cincinnati. He's definitely one of the hottest prospects, I guess, and um, he's just a fantastic coach. We, you know, with with this pick, you kind of have to pick somebody who's going to have a good season, maybe win a championship, you know, whether conference championship or something like that, um, and then someone who, you know, is just – uh, well, well thought of amongst the media. So, you know, it's one of these things we also, I mean, just for quality of coach, we think he's a great coach. So, you know, with, with there being four major, you know, conference championships, you know, Dabo has won it in the past. Um, you know, you have Lincoln Riley, you have Kirby who both could win it. Um, but I think Luke Fickle, this might be his year. He might be a media darling by the end of the year. So we we're kind of picking that. Um, and expecting that. Especially if he can take a year like this and go, you know, undefeated, one loss, get into a year six bowl, which we think they will. So, yeah, look fickle. I like the pick. Near six bowls. I mean, let's get to it. So here's what we did. We took the top 12 teams, which doesn't always happen near six bowls, but we kind of ranked end of the year based on our picks. Who's the top 12? At first, we did his best matchups. So, like, we did five and six against each other, seven and eight, and so on. Then we kind of fixed, we picked some more fun matchups and knowing how the Bulls typically pick, like the Orange Bowl getting an ACC team, um, Peach Bowl trying to do SEC versus ACC if they can, but definitely an SEC team. Um, so, we have some fun bowl matchups. I'll start with a semi fun one. I mean, they're all fun. They're all fun. Fiesta Bowl. So, the Fiesta Bowl, we have Iowa State. First, North Carolina. So Iowa State, who we think is going to have a tremendous season in the Big 12. Matt Campbell finally getting over the hump and really having a great season in year five at Iowa State. And then Mac Brown, North Carolina. Mac Brown in year two, having a great season, going eight and two in the ACC. What do, what do you like about this matchup? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, your first thing you're going to look at is matchup of a couple of um, stud quarterbacks, Brock Purdy mm-hmm. versus... Uh, Sam Howell um, but you know it's funny because you've kind of got up-and-comer coach in Matt Campbell someone trying to really put a stamp on a program make a name for himself versus you know elder statesman Matt Brown who you know coached at North Carolina in the past and coached at Texas famously and then was out of the game for a while has since been back with North Carolina uh, as of last year and then this year so this is just you know co- a couple of coaches in completely different, you know, uh, places in their career. Um, but you know, ultimately a fun, a fun matchup Two two teams who really are the best of the rest in their own conference. Uh, Iowa state really the top of that next tier behind Texas and Oklahoma, um, in the big 12. And then North Carolina is right after, you know, Clemson and Notre Dame, in the ACC this year. So, um, you know, really, I think two hungry teams, two hungry programs, I think it'd be a fun game because they'd both be trying, you know, to, to really win this one. I love the matchup. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, two great quarterbacks, two great coaches. I mean, Iowa State's got a sick defensive line. I think North Carolina's got a pretty good front seven. Be a fun matchup. Uh, the Orange Bowl we got the Miami Hurricanes and the Cincinnati Bearcats. So that group of five spot going to Cincinnati and then Miami coming out of the ACC, having a great year. 
um, which we think they're going to take that step forward to Eric King uh, in year two of Manny Diaz. What do you like about this matchup? You know, on the surface, it looks like it's it's going to be a good defensive matchup. Um, you know, you already referenced the Cincinnati defensive line earlier in the pass rush that they're going to have. Miami, conversely, even though they're going to be losing Gregory Rousseau, Quincy Roche off the edge, they're going to have a, their own pretty good pass rush as is. And Manny Diaz, known for his defense. Luke Fickle, formerly a defensive coordinator. So a couple of defensive-minded head coaches. This could get really interesting there. Um, and then, yeah, Derek King, <clears throat> any game he plays in is probably going to be fun to watch regardless of what happens. Um, you know, and he's a, he's definitely um, a, a fun one to watch, like I said. But uh, them in the Orange Bowl, it will be funny because, you know, Miami fans, I feel like they travel better than they come to their home stadium. Um, <laughs> that may just be because there's fans all over the place that, will rep Miami or have some affiliation with South Florida. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of fill out Hard Rock um, for a home, somewhat home game in the Orange Bowl. I will say this is somewhat of a missed opportunity by us not scheduling Miami versus Iowa State, the Hurricanes and the Cyclones playing each other, but Ooh. maybe another time. That's a storm waiting to happen. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll show myself out. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, here's the best. Here's the best two matchups. I think Peach Bowl. We got Florida and Notre Dame. So Florida playing in another New Year's Six Bowl, the third New Year's Six Bowl for Dan Mullen and the Gators, uh, going eight and two in the SEC. Another great year for Florida and Notre Dame. You know, runners up in the ACC and their only year in the conference. Uh, I think they lose a close one to Clemson. So. Two teams that kind of, for their standards, underachieved this year. Um, yeah, I think two great seasons, but what a great matchup in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta because, you know, both fan bases are going to travel. I mean, what a fun game for the fan bases, two historic programs. I mean, you have the young coach, and not young coach, excuse me. You have two experienced coaches in Dan Mullen and Brian Kelly who have both been head coaches for, you know, almost a decade and, you know, can Notre Dame get over the hump and beat an SEC team in the New Year's Six Bowl? Can Florida win their third consecutive New Year's Six Bowl? What a great matchup. This would be an extremely validating win for both programs. So, because both are very quality teams. They are both fairly evenly matched um, across the board. <clears throat> both well coached, obviously. And, um, you know, I think this would be, uh, one of these, you know, these fan bases are both big. They both travel and they're different fan bases. Obviously you got the SEC fan base versus the you know, Notre Dame is more of a, a big 10 feel to it, that Midwestern fan base, but they're a national brand. They, everybody, you know, it's not even that they would have to travel for the game. They've got such an inter, you know, national following, international following at Notre Dame, uh, they would be well represented. Um, every Catholic within a thousand miles would be there. So I think it'd be it'd be a fun matchup. I would definitely tune in. But <clears throat> I think for both programs uh, to kind of put a stamp on the end of a season and going forward, like I said, extremely validating for both. So whoever wins would definitely have some bragging rights to say, look, we beat that team, that program. 
um, you know, in a, in a New Year's Six Bowl. So it'd be a, definitely a big deal to both teams. 100%. And we saved the most fun one for last. The last New Year's Six Bowl we have is the Cotton Bowl. And we have the Big 12 runner-up and the team we have finishing second in the SEC West. And since these schools will not renew the rivalry, uh, the Cotton Bowl committee will renew it for them. Man, we've got Texas versus Texas A&M in the Cotton Bowl. And one can only hope and wish that this matchup happens because can you imagine, like, you, you talk about players opting out of bowl games and bowl games being not as important because of the playoff. Oh, this game would be important for both programs. Yeah, this, it's like they're not going to choose to play. We basically have to, you know, schedule them to play for themselves. But, you know, there's bad blood here. Both programs like to blame the other program for why they're not playing. Um, this hate runs deep. You know, Texas a and is always thought to be little brother in their own state. A&M now boasts to be in the better conference. Both have almost a bottomless pit of resources at their disposal. The fact that, I mean, obviously we cherry picked this to be in the cotton bowl. How perfect would that be for these two teams, these two fan bases? Um, you know, this might be something where they, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know where we're going to be come new year's six bowls as far as fans in the stands and all this kind of stuff, but it's going to take a lot to socially distance these two fan bases from each other because they are going to come after one another. It's it's going to be nasty. Now, as far as the game on the field itself, I mean, it, this is a good matchup because both are senior quarterbacks going against each other, offensive-minded coaches. You know, they both play, you know, both coach well and big games are both, you know, experienced there. Uh, so definitely would be a, a fun matchup. Uh, both have similar, I would say, you know, um, I think their blue chip ratio is very close to one another. So as far as talent wise, pretty even there. So that's just yet another thing. Texas, Texas A&M, sign me up every day of the week. It should be played every year. Um, you know, I, as a college football fan, feel like I'm robbed by not seeing this happen. So let's hope it happens this postseason. This would be the most fun one. This would have some super high ratings, TV ratings. Um, I mean, shout out Andrew Kirkland. I know you want this game to be played. So this one's for you, man. <laughs> but, man, let's get to the college football playoff. And if you haven't put it together yet, we'll go ahead and give it to you. So in order, one to four, our collective college football playoff picks. So we've got ACC champion, one loss, Clemson. At the one seed, followed by SEC champion, one loss, Georgia. Uh, followed by Big 12 champion, one loss, Oklahoma. And last but not least, the SEC runner-up, one loss, Alabama. And this might look familiar. This is a two and three seeding switch away from the 2017 playoff, where... Clemson was the one seed, Oklahoma was the two seed, Georgia at three, and Alabama at four. So we've got same bowl game matchups, though. We've got the Sugar Bowl featuring Clemson and Alabama as a semifinal game, and the Rose Bowl featuring Georgia and Oklahoma as a semifinal game. And I said I'd save my my Georgia and Alabama talk for 
for the playoff section, I mean, first of all, Clemson, let's talk about them. Clemson's unbelievable. Clemson has right. Trevor Lawrence. They've got Travis Etienne. They've got a good offensive line. They've got to replace some production at receiver, but it shouldn't be a problem. Their defensive line's going to be better than it was last year. And this should look like the defensive line from two years ago when they won the national championship. Uh, the secondary, again, lost A.J. Terrell, but you know, you're replacing it with the great recruits. Linebacker got to replace Isaiah Simmons. But, again, if there's one coordinator in the country that I trust the most, it's Brent Venables, and that that, that defense will be built around the, you know, the best players on that roster, as he does every year. Clemson is Clemson. The new Clemson is kicking everybody's butt and taking names, and Clemson's going to be the one seed in the playoff. Um, Trevor Lawrence has been one of the loudest voices for wanting to play this season. We think he's going to go off, win the Heisman Trophy, and just lead Clemson in the playoff. Clemson's going to be Clemson. Uh, Georgia, uh, again, I'll, I'll pause George, the Georgia talk for just a second. Um, Oklahoma, I talked about it a second ago, but the offense is ridiculous. There's no reason for me to believe that that will not be the case this year. Uh, defensively, I think they take a step forward. At the three seed facing Georgia, so interesting matchup there with strength on strength with Georgia's defense against Oklahoma's offense, and then kind of um, you know two areas that need to take a step forward in Oklahoma's defense and Georgia's offense, and then Alabama going 10 and 0 in the regular season, losing Georgia, so splitting the games against Georgia one and one, I think they're deserving of being in the playoff at that point. I mean, any thoughts in the top four before we talk about national championship? Yeah, I mean, this is, <clears throat> I mean, it's on brand for what's happened so far in the Big 12, or in the, uh, in the Big 12, in the, um, in the playoff era. Um, this is what I would somewhat expect this year. Uh, obviously, if you had the other teams playing, you're talking about maybe an Ohio State, definitely an Ohio State, potentially an Oregon, potentially, Ohio a, State. <laughs> potentially a Penn State or an Oregon getting into the mix here might keep the second SEC team out of it, but definitely keeping an Oklahoma out of it, I would think, um, if those other conferences were playing. But as of as of where we are, I mean, Oklahoma, best of the rest, kind of last man standing. The fact that they're a one-loss power three champion um, makes me really, you know, <laughs> three. It's, it's one of these things where if you're going to put an asterisk on the season, that's kind of the asterisk for me is Oklahoma making the playoff this year. Cause I do think if the other conferences were playing, that would be the team left out. Even though Alabama is ranked four, I think that that's more as a product of there's only three conference champions. So Alabama's four, I think in this scenario, Alabama's more likely to make it than Oklahoma. If, Ohio State's in as a undefeated or one-loss Big Ten champ or potentially Oregon or, or USC or, I don't know about USC, maybe. We were really wanting to pick that, y'all. We were wanting to pick USC, but anyways, can't do it. So We wanted to. Let me, let me ask you this. Before we, before we talk national championship, I know who my pick would have been. If the season was normal, you know, pre-six months ago, who would have been your pick to win the national championship? Is it the same that we have on here, or would it be different? I would probably, honestly, I I'd kind of a few months ago had settled on Ohio State, and I'd felt pretty comfortable with it. Um, as we got closer, I may have may have swapped it around. They seemed them or Clemson seemed like the surest bet for a little while. 
Um, but I definitely, you know, Alabama was is anyone who says they're not going to include Alabama in a top four, I feel like for the most part is lying to you or trying to have some sort of a hot take because, you know, yeah, Alabama, they missed it for the first time last year. And honestly, I felt like it was, you know, some Alabama prejudice going on or something. They were trying to push them out and made those losses seem worse than they were. You know, Tua was out, but, you know, Auburn, Auburn barely beat an Alabama team and, the potentially greatest team of all time in LSU beat Alabama by five points. I know it was a big, big lead early, but Alabama came back and made it a game because Alabama, they don't quit. And so, Alabama. Yeah. So, but to answer your question shortly, I think Ohio state is, would have probably been the odds on favorite to win the national championship. Maybe not overwhelming, you know, Clemson and some of these other teams, but I think Ohio state, definitely kind of robbed in this scenario. I would have picked an undefeated Ohio State with a Heisman Trophy quarterback in Justin Fields. I mean, it really is a shame that Ohio State got robbed of the season because in my mind, they were the best team in the country and a little bit of a gap after then. Um, but we don't have Ohio State, so we got to pick – we got to pick our champion. So in the national championship in Miami this year, we have in the Sugar Bowl, we have Alabama over Clemson. And just like it was in 2017. In the Rose Bowl, we got Georgia over Oklahoma. So this this would be cool for SEC fans. Uh, round three of Georgia and Alabama. Here's why I love the matchup, and I'll talk a little bit about Georgia and Alabama now. Uh, love the matchup because they're the two most talented teams in the country. Purely talent-wise on the roster, Alabama and Georgia are neck and neck. And then Ohio State, and then there's a big gap talent-wise. Ohio State's not playing this year, so it's Alabama and Georgia. Big gap talent-wise after those two teams. Um, and then it's happening to be in the same conference. So the fact that they play each other in the regular season, that we think they're going to get a rematch in the SEC Championship and this would mean they get a third matchup in the same season. Insane. Uh, would be insane and incredible because you get to see these two great teams go at it three different times. And I think that's a win for college football fans. Um, Alabama, I mean, there's really not a weakness on the roster, if we're being honest. Quarterback, I mean, the best man win. Kicker. Because kicker. I think, <laughs> excuse me. Kicker. You can always put that. Uh, <laughs> Quarterback, I personally think that Bryce Young is, I mean, a future Heisman Trophy contender at quarterback. I think he's he will be better than Tua Tagovailoa. And so if Mac Jones consistently beats him out this year, that means Mac Jones is playing some dang good quarterback for Alabama. And so not a weakness at QB. They probably have the deepest running back room in the country, led by Najee Harris. And, I mean, Watch out for redshirt freshman uh, Trey Sanders coming in off that ACL injury. He could have a breakout year behind the best offensive line in the country. And then you go the other side of the ball, and you have the Nick Saban defense. They have an incredible secondary, which Nick Saban has always had, which allows them to run with these spread offenses and play man-to-man coverage, which Saban loves to do with two guys over the top or a high safety. Um, their front seven is going to be unbelievable, led by Dylan Moses. There really isn't a weakness on Alabama's roster. And so, like you said, if you're keeping Alabama out of the playoff, you're really kidding yourself because especially after losing two games last year, 
if you don't think that Saban has been mad for 10 months about that, you're, he's been you're mad dead wrong. Life. Let's start there. <laughs> but he's been pissed for 10 months. So, um, so Alabama. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, you're good. I was just going to say, I, I think I fully agree with you. And I think poor, poor Clemson, for the sheer fact of you think about it, if you run the table or, you know, one loss in a year like this, and you're the one seed, and you're thinking, oh, yeah, I'd probably play someone like, I don't know, an Oklahoma or, you know, some some team that I can handle in the first round, and you draw Alabama, who's just mad and just got beat for the first time this year, yeah. and you expect the last time Clemson and Alabama played, Clemson embarrassed Alabama. That was in the championship a couple years ago, and then Alabama completely – Yeah, I mean, Alabama completely missed the playoff last year. So Alabama – not only the last 10 months, they've had a hate growing for a while now. Obviously, it's a rivalry with Clemson at this point because of how many times they've played. But, you know, that's just a recipe for disaster. Uh, anytime Saban has that opportunity to coach against somebody after having any sort of time off, Clemson or Alabama getting healthy. So, I mean, I think Clemson, I mean, I think those top three teams specific, or I get, I think one, two, and four in our final rankings. I think Oklahoma is the weakest of those four teams. Right. Um, I think those three teams on any given day could win the national championship kind of thing. It's just Clemson kind of runs into a buzzsaw in Alabama. And it's just, it is what it is at that point. They're going to lose, I expect, that game. They're just going to get manhandled on both lines of scrimmage by Alabama. And the advantage where I will give the edge to Alabama over Clemson is really the Alabama receivers against Clemson's secondary and, vi- and vice versa. Alabama lost the best receiving duo in college football, and they replaced it with probably the best receiving duo in college football in Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. Um, and then on, on the opposite side especially, Clemson's got to replace a lot of receiver production against Alabama's great secondary. So I'll give the edge to Alabama there. Then we have Georgia and Oklahoma, round two of the Rose Bowl. The last one ended in a double overtime thriller. I don't think it's going to take overtime this time. We're picking the dogs, and we tried not to. But, I mean, here, here's where I'm at with Georgia. Uh, you lose a lot in the offensive line, but you're replacing it, again, with five stars. Like, you keep your center um, and Trey Hill – you keep Ben Cleveland at guard, and you're bringing in, you know, Jamari Sawyer is probably going to play left tackle. You're probably bringing in a five-star to play right tackle, and either Xavier Truss or um, Van Pran. Is he the ones? No, he's 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 a center. Broderick right. Jones. Broderick yeah. Jones. Broderick Jones, Tate Ratledge, two five-star tackles coming in this season, and then you've got, yeah, you've just it's a wealth of talent on the right on, at tackle specifically. Um, so yeah, they're, they're covered all over the place. They've got backups who are just, you know, blue chip, all Americans. Um, you know, Justin Schaefer is probably going to hang on to that left guard spot. He played in four or five games last year, uh, started a few. So you've got guys who played it, They may not have been a full-time starter, but you know, this is a unit that's going to have some experience and some talent. So I expect there to be a, a drop-off potentially, but it might not be noticed, especially by the season's end. They're going to be 
clicking, I would imagine, in their best and units. Especially, and especially with the new system. And yeah. so here's the thing with Georgia. There is a lot of, will they take a step forward? Can this system work? So there's some question marks there. Here's where I'm confident with Georgia. This defense will be the best defense that Kirby Smart has ever coached. And I think you're going to have some guys drafted this year. There aren't a lot of draft boards right now because of the way this defense is going to perform as a unit. And NFL guys are going to start looking at this roster and going, oh, <laughs> like, look, look who's on this roster. Um, Rusty Manziel of Dogs 247, he was asked if, if there was a weakness on the Georgia defense. And he said, if Jordan Davis at nose tackle goes down, they might not have a strong pass rush from the nose tackle position. And that was his only worry. <laughs> and if they can't get a passer from the nose tackle position, my goodness, there's five stars that are playing third string on the edge right? because of the guys that are that are playing up front. This defense was the best defense in college football last year. They're going to be better this year. They're going to be scary good. And so then it becomes, how many points does Georgia have to score to win? And for the regular season, Alabama's going to be the toughest task for picking to lose that game. But I think if Georgia scores 30 points against Alabama, they're beating Alabama. So for Oklahoma, you know, then the, then the question becomes Oklahoma. How does the matchup with Oklahoma be? If they get to the playoff, they beat Bama in the SC championship game, you know, 10-1 in the playoff. I think the matchup with Oklahoma's offense, secondary-wise, I like Georgia's secondary against Oklahoma's receivers. You have a lot of inexperience there with a redshirt freshman quarterback. Offensive line versus defensive pass rush, I especially like Georgia in that matchup. And so even if the receivers are lighting up our secondary and Spencer Rattler's getting the ball, I mean, he's got to get the ball out quick. And so can Georgia play press coverage and buzz the flat and play just tight in the middle? I think they can because the pass rush is going to get there. I think they're going to have a lot of havoc right this year. You've got probably the best safety deal in the country in Richard LeCount and Lewis Seen, um, who replaces J.R. Reed from last year. And he's probably better. He's a he's a five-star uh, true sophomore coming in who's taking that next step forward in fall camp. George's offense, I really do believe, is going to take the step forward. JT Daniels, four or five-star quarterback. They're deep at receiver, which they weren't last year. I think that simply bringing in this new system, LSU made a historic jump last year. I'm not predicting an LSU-like jump. I'm saying that Georgia has so much talent on its offense that has been underutilized and bringing in a new system allows those players to be, to be seen and get in space and get the ball in their hands. So we're, we're picking Georgia to beat Oklahoma. Um, and what, what else do you like about Georgia? I need to talk about him for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, Georgia is RBU and a couple of running backs that aren't really talked about just yet because they haven't hit the national spotlight um, you've got Zamir White, who was a number one overall running back in the 2018 recruiting class, that number one class that Georgia boasted. He's the number one overall running back in that class. He tore his ACL in his senior year of high school and then tore his other ACL preparing for his first season at Georgia. So he redshirted. He played for the first time last year, largely was the third team running back. You know, you play three running backs in the SEC for the most part, but had less than 500 yards rushing, didn't have a lot of carries. His first game getting feature time was the Sugar Bowl because obviously, uh, well, Brian Herrion was out, and then, you know, 
uh, DeAndre Swift played just a couple snaps. He was still kind of hurt, and he was preparing for the NFL draft, so he wasn't going to risk, you know, major injury or anything like that. So, uh, you know, Zamir White went 18 carries, 92 yards, and a touchdown. Um, but he he had moments where he looked super explosive. I think that explosiveness is is coming all the way back. Uh, I liken it to Nick Chubb when he had his injury in 2015. 2016 had a good year, but did not look like Nick Chubb. You know, he wasn't explosive like he was pre-injury. And then it was his second year back from injury that he just blew up on the scene. And he looked, you know, in 2017, looked like the Nick Chubb of old, had a fantastic year. And then obviously you see him now in the NFL just, you know, blowing it up. So, you know, I, th- I believe those those repaired knees, you know, you can play on them after a year. But it's that second year after recovery that you're really explosive. I expect that explosivity and that, you know, that quick twitch and everything like that to come back for uh, Zamir White this year. Um, And so I expect him to be a fantastic running back for Georgia. Uh, Also, you know, Dalvin Cook's younger brother, James Cook, he is a former five star. So two former five stars will be in the backfield for Georgia um, in this Todd Munkin offense where, you know, there's going to be some, some quick passes here and there, uh, get the ball out, high percentage throws to the backs. I expect a big role for James Cook, um, even with Zamir White potentially on the field. So the backfield for me is, is what's going to really, you know, we're, we're going to see an increase in the passing game. I think it's only going to help the running backs. They're not going to have to be facing an eight, nine man box like uh like DeAndre Swift was last year especially towards the end of the year when a lot of folks realized that Georgia was just not simply going to pass the ball with any high efficiency at all so um I expect that balance to really pay dividends for Georgia especially postseason so a national championship of Alabama and Georgia in Miami and Georgia fans close your ears because we're picking I mean, at least I'm picking freshman quarterback Bryce Young to beat the dogs in the national championship. <laughs> I mean, b- bottom line for me is I really do feel like Alabama is the best team in the country. They're the most talented team in the country. And in a year like this, talent and depth is going to win. And although it's only a slight edge, Alabama is deeper than Georgia is. And there's really not a weakness in their team. Alabama's offense, they went through the transition four years ago. So they don't have this transition that Georgia has to go through this year. Um, because of that, I'll, I'll trust – again, I'll trust what I've seen. What I've seen is Nick Saban in Alabama dominant college football for the better part of a decade. Um, so, yeah, we're picking the title of the dogs for the national championship. And that's it, man. That, that's talking season's over. Let's watch some football, man. Let's turn on the TV and watch some games. I'm excited. It's happening. Power five, power three starts this week. That's right. And we'll be back on Thursday with our week two of college football picks with a guest picker. We're doing a little different this year. So guest picker, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the extra point pod on Facebook at the extra point pod. There's links there to everything for, you know, subscribing to our show, following us on Twitter. There's links in the bios there. So be sure to follow us on there as we start to post more content there. Thank you so much for listening. We're excited for this 2020 college football season and we'll be back on thursday with our week two picks that'll do it for this edition of the extra point i am jacob he is daniel see ya